Hello, everybody. What's up? My name is Anthony, and welcome back to part two of my conclusion of my season finale of I'm Not My Skin. So, um, hope you guys enjoyed part one. So, here's the conclusion with part two. And before I begin, I want to give uh, some special um, shout outs. First, like to shout out to um, all my artists that I featured, thank you for allowing me to use your uh, music. And I was able to um, showcase it on my episodes. Uh, Cece Tennille, um, Jamarcus, Tremaine, Janelle, Zabogati, Kian, and DJ Young. Thank y'all so much. I also would like to thank all of my guests for being on. Um, I'd like to thank my mom, <laughs> uh, Travis, Pebbles, Venus, Casey, Brandon, Lustra, Dre, Jasmine, Grayson, Janelle, Rashad, Chavis, uh, C. Murray, Jasmine, Gilliam, Kelsey, Kim, Brittany, Jalisha, Portia, Mary, and Nakia. Thank you guys. I really appreciate y'all for taking the time out to um, help me with my episodes and participating in my interviews. For season two, I've got some big surprises that I can't wait to uh, share with you guys. I'm going to be talking about some more um, important and deep uh, subjects and topics. Um, I will let you guys know that I'm going to talk about marriage, marriage and mental health. I'm going to also talk about um, the musicians and mental health and I'm going to bring in some wonderful guests. I know a lot of musicians and um, also bring in some couples. So, and I've got a lot more topics, so I cannot wait. Um, I will be back within the next uh, couple months. So as I'm taking this break to get some things situated, I'm just going to um, keep the podcast uh, circulating um, by advertising the episodes I've already put out. And um, now you guys to hear them again. <laughs> so again, thank you to all my subscribers, all my listeners. Oh, and one more thing. Also, everybody, please go vote. Like, I know some of y'all think, oh, well, my vote doesn't count and my vote doesn't matter because my state's a, a red state or my state's a blue state and, you know, nothing is going to change that. Well, think about it. If one person thinks that and another person thinks that and another person thinks that you add all that up, then, yeah, it's not going to do any difference because you're taking the votes and and you're not swaying either one side or another because y'all thinking the same thing. So please vote, vote, vote. I personally don't care who you vote for. Just use your right to vote. My job is not to sway you on which side to vote for because that's not what this channel is about. Um, but what I am doing is um, encouraging guys into more well, strongly encouraging guys to vote um, because this is a crucial election. So I don't want to hear people complaining about the next four years if they didn't vote because they were not part of the solution. You guys are actually part of the problem if you don't vote. So again, there are several ways you can vote if you don't want to go um, out physically to the polls. So again, vote, 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 and vote, vote. I know personally who I'm going to vote for. So I will use my vote to um, speak my truth. 
and I'm doing um, early voting with uh, mail-in voting. So vote. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast. Welcome back to this episode. Um, glad for you guys to uh, join us. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to my first panel. So now I have my second one. We're going to continue talking on this topic on uh, colorism. So I am going to introduce them to you. I have on the line, I've got my first guest, Lustra. What's going on, girl? <laughs> hey, what's up? Nothing much. I'm so glad to have you on. Good Thanks to have you back. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so um, tell our listeners, who are you once again? <laughs> oh, um, well, my name is Lustra. I Born and bred in the great, great city of Spartanburg, South Carolina. I currently live in Anderson, and I run the dance program for Anderson School District 5. And so I work with basically all of the dance and theater kids um, from T.L. Hanna and Westside High School. All right. Well, welcome back, Lustra. I think you guys have remember her. She was on the racism and your mental health part, too. So welcome back. <laughs> So now I have a new face on the line. I've got uh, Nakia. What's going on? Got you on here. <laughs> hey, hey. What's going on? You? <laughs> yeah, so it's my name's Nakia Wardlaw. I'm originally from Anderson, South Carolina. Uh, I actually stay in South Carolina, Anderson, South Carolina right now. Um, I'm the CEO and founder of Chosen One Agency, LLC. Uh, it's a digital marketing agency where I help business owners scale their businesses online. And I coach women mainly um, how to brand themselves. Yeah, and I have uh, two kids, uh, a 13-year-old daughter and a eight-year-old son. And then I also am a full-time caregiver for my mom who has Alzheimer's. Oh, well, welcome to my podcast. I'm finally Glad I got you on. I'm so excited. <laughs> Known her since, well, I think it was what? I'm excited. I think we met in like 2012 at USC. I think I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was 2012. <clears throat> yeah, you know what? Well, no, it was 2011 because I was pregnant. And you remember the situation that happened with La- oh, <laughs> LaSonia? Yeah. La- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We oh. won't go. All right. Well, I got another new face on the line. Jalisha, what's going on with you? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Jalisha. I went to um, Upset as well. And um, I'm from Lawrence, um, South Carolina. I'm still here in Lawrence. I have two daughters who take up majority of my time. They're three and two. So we're just trying to get on a regular schedule, just living life, trying to do the best we can at this point. Right, right. Well, welcome to my podcast. I'm so happy to have you. And I think, when did we meet? Was it, uh, um, was it maybe 2013? Yeah, I think. Because it, it did take me a little while longer to finish school. So I was still Same there in 2013. <laughs> the struggle got real, real. <laughs> <laughs> so. well, Glad to have you on. So I got um, Chavis on the line. What's going on with you? <laughs> Happy to be here again. Excited. Yes. Looking forward to it. So tell our listeners, who are you? <laughs> well, I'm from Spartanburg, too. Spartanburg native. And um, went to Spartanburg High School, Anthony, so uh, and Lustra. And so I've known them for a long time. Um, at any rate, I'm uh, really interested in questions of race and, and thinking through these questions. and. Uh, notions of civil rights and human rights. And so glad to be a part of the discussion. Yes, glad to have you on. And finally, I got my cousin Pebbles. What's going on with you? I'm excited to be back and talking to you. Yes, I'm excited for you to be back as well. So tell everybody, who are you? 
Um, well, I'm your cousin. Um, I, still live in, I still live in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, I am a speech language pathologist. Mm-hmm. So I work in a inpatient, outpatient rehabilitation center here in Spartanburg, just working with adults who have defi- deficits in communication, mm-hmm. cognition, and swallowing. Okay. Well, glad to have you on board on my and I know you guys already know this, but my season finale of my um, podcast. So I will be coming back um, probably within, um, I would say, December. I'll be coming back. So I'm just going to take some time off um, to get some more ideas flowing, um, some new stuff that's coming out. So. Can't wait for you guys to check out season two. But we are going to go ahead and get started with um, this particular topic. And first, um, the definition of colorism. And I talked about this um, previously. And so I was looking it up and it said that colorism is discrimination based on skin color. And it's also known... um, as a form of prejudice or discrimination in which people who are usually members of the same race are treated differently based on the social implications, which come with the cultural meanings, which are attached to skin color. And so I um, made this episode because I seen the whole team light skin and team dark skin type thing. And a lot of people used to make, you know, little jokes and and type and stuff about it, but you don't really think of the harm that it actually um, causes uh, somebody like mentally, because um, when you're trying to draw comparisons, um, they may end up, they're thinking, you may think one way, but they're actually thinking another way of like, wait, wait a minute. Am I not good enough? Am I not worthy enough? Or how come they're saying that this skin color um, represents beauty, but this skin color represents thug life? So I definitely just wanted to bring light um, with this episode on all of these uh particular questions. And so I actually want to talk to you guys on this first question. So have you ever felt ashamed of the color of your skin? And if so, has your feelings changed or is it something you still struggle with? Absolutely. I have. Um, I When I was younger, um, especially in elementary school, uh, I didn't have these pretty teeth that I have now. Um, I paid for these. So um, I had some teeth that were like literally over overlapping. Um, and of course, I was really, really, I'm really dark skinned. And so like the little boys, they would be like, you know, uh, you're dark skinned or you're, you're ugly or you're not light skinned girls. And like, I just didn't understand. I used to cry about it all the time. And I remember you know, just crying at the orthodontist, like, if I get my teeth fixed, I'll be prettier, you know, probably, um, probably college, because even through high school, I kind of, you know, always tried to, um, I talk the way I talk, um, a lot of people would always say, why do you talk white in your dark skin? Um, but I learned how to kind of just talk in a good way, in like, in a, in a way where it would be, um, people could understand me or people would look at me and, and wouldn't look at my skin girl like, okay, she talks really preppy. She talks really good. Mm-hmm. And so I identify that with my talk and overachieving um, in my grades, over trying to overachieve at work, mm-hmm. just trying to be that smarter person because I always felt like as a dark skinned woman, I've always had to work harder than someone who's lighter skinned than me mm-hmm. so that someone take me serious or they wouldn't look at me as a dummy because I was dark skinned. But yes, absolutely. Now it has changed. Love Nikea. I absolutely love the way I look. I love my beautiful skin. Um, and the same guys that were teasing me are the same guys who would love a chance with me right now. So wow. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Anybody else? Have y'all, um, anybody else has felt like they're, they have been um, ashamed of their skin color? I personally, mm -hmm. oh, I was just going to say like, um, me personally, I've never, um, well, it wasn't until I was older that I directly experienced colorism myself, but mm -hmm. um, I had a sister who was a year younger than me, mm -hmm. and she was um, darker, so all throughout our young, like when we were younger, people would call her like blacky and that type of thing mm. to the point that um, even family members, like my uncle would call her this and my mom would get so frustrated. Um, mm. We have a younger brother and he would sometimes refer to her that way. Like it was rough for her and watching her grow up and go through that struggle. Mm. It continued until she was an adult. Um, and then me, myself, personally, I went through high school with kind of the same thing. My mm -hmm. two closest friends, they're very light. They actually look, um, one of them almost looks Caucasian. She looks almost white. Mm -hmm. But um, we were in honors classes, so we were the only three who were Black. Mm -hmm. And I was always labeled the ghetto one, the unintelligent one, like, why are you here? And they were just more accepting of my friends who were lighter, that had the longer hair, that kind of fit the desired look, I guess, or what you would expect, what other people would expect for an intelligent black person to look like, which kind of throws me off sometimes. But yeah, that was my experience with it. Wow. Wow. So um, I have another question. So do you feel that um, colorism affects men um, is the same as women, or do you feel colorism affects um, women more than men? What do you guys think? Um, I feel like I feel like both men and women experience it, but like, of course, in different ways. I mean, I can't speak from. Uh, man's perspective but from a woman's perspective I know that you know I've heard and had to get on to some of my straight male friends who have said things like I don't like dating girls who are like darker than me mm -hmm. and I kind of look at him like bro like your mom is dark skinned <laughs> like it, it always just baffled me and even like com from competing in pageants there I feel like women are held to like this certain standard of beauty of like what they should look like mm -hmm. and almost this idea that a lot of men are attracted to women who quote unquote look exotic and I always say like black women to me are some of the most exotic people no matter what because we're so different mm -hmm. there's so many different hues of brown and so many different texts of hair and I think that makes us exotic mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people are attracted to this like racially ambiguous aesthetic that a lot of people like and one of the things that I love that we're doing in the media now, which we should have always been doing, is celebrating Black women, whether they are fair skin or dark skin, whether they have very fine hair or whether they have kinky hair. Like, I love that we're doing that now. But like I said, I can't speak from a man's perspective. But from what I've seen, I think that men and women go through. I actually just started rewatching Girlfriends. And there's an episode where... Tony was like going on a date with some guy and she was like, I don't want to date him because he's just too black. And I was like, I think I remember that. Episode. <laughs> like, it just shocked me. I was like, whoa, like, that was like, that like made me uncomfortable because personally, I mean, my dad is dark skin. So naturally I'm going to gravitate towards someone who is like my father. Cause I think my father's great. So I naturally gravitate towards like darker skin men. There's nothing against light skin men, but that's who I naturally am gravitate towards. And so when I listened to that, it just became like a little alarming. But then again, it was the early 2000s. Everybody was pretty problematic back then. So, Right. Shavis, uh, what do you think from coming from a, a male's perspective? I agree with so much of what Lusher said. I think it, it does affect women and men in a similar fashion. Uh, but because of the beauty standards that projected on the women in America, particularly black women, and the standard being a white normative standard that women who in the black community can't live up to, I think that um, it's, it's always affected uh, black women differently. And it's, it's caused within our community, 
people to be pitted against other people within the community, light skin versus dark skin. If you go back and watch School Days, there's that scene about good hair. And, and you see kind of two people, two groups on different sides of the room, light skin and dark skin fighting. Um, and on many college campuses, this is still the case. And in media, it's still the case. Mm-hmm. And so I think it does. Um, and, and part of that has to change. Now, I do think outside of the black community, in terms of black men, at least, um, lighter skinned black men may get different treatment in workplaces and with police and things of that sort, being able to kind of walk through uh, society a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But I, I completely agree with Lustra that it affects black women in a very detrimental fashion. Okay. Pebbles, uh, what do you think? Um, I'm just going to say, well, like Lustra said, I can't, my perspective is from a darker skinned black woman. Um, and as far as media, I just never personally liked seeing the wife, just always a light skinned woman. The husband in every single role, even some of the best like black shows that you can think of, some of the classics, it's like the husband or the boyfriend is dark skin. The wife is light skin. Going back to Fresh Prince, they replaced her with who? A light skin mm-hmm. mother. Mm-hmm. Yet the black skin woman, super educated, mm-hmm. I felt like the a lot of messages that she had in that role was important Mm -hmm. but they replaced her with a light-skinned woman Mm -hmm. and so for me i mean i will say for men being a darker skinned guy i think it would be harder especially like with police Mm -hmm. and just being viewed differently than someone who was a little bit lighter but i just feel like as a woman i don't understand why we aren't as celebrated or as appreciated right. as women who are, are of lighter skin. Right. But yeah, so I agree with everybody, what everybody is saying. Right. So let me yeah, ask y'all this. Um, and I want y'all to be honest. Have you guys had negative feelings towards light skin or dark skin people? So, for example, if you're light skin, if you had negative feelings towards dark skin, vice versa, dark skin, if you had negative feelings towards light skin. I don't think I necessarily had like negative feelings because a person was light skin or dark skin. I think I've probably had negative feelings towards someone and that person just happened to be light skin or dark skin. I used to like joke around all the time because I dated somebody in college who was light skin. And I literally used to say, never again. Mm-mm. I'm not going down that road, never again. And I would say that as a joke, but like, I didn't realize how detrimental that can be because I mean, not every light skinned dude is mean, just like not every dark skinned dude is mean. Like, it honestly doesn't matter. I just had a negative experience with that particular person. Mm-hmm. So I would write it off as a, as a joke. Mm-hmm. But I think for me personally, I don't think I've ever had like a negative view on light skin versus dark skin. I will say that growing up, and I think um, um, someone else like kind of touched on this earlier, growing up, I had like friends and relatives who were lighter skinned than me. And it seemed like they were being called prettier and gorgeous. And in the back of my mind, I was thought to myself, like, am I not pretty because I'm not as light as them? And that aspect, yeah, I have questioned that. But as far as me, like not liking somebody, because of their shade of brown, I don't think so. I just think if a person did something to me, they just have to be dark skin. I just don't like them. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I, I go ahead. Uh, go ahead. You go ahead. You. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I've never. I guess I've stereotyped um, people sometimes, not necessarily in a malicious way, but um, my lighter skin friends sometimes I give them that classic, um, just categorize them as bougie, over the top, just doing too much as far as their personality sometimes, or, um, or, but my light skin friends as well, when they see someone who's darker skin, will be like, oh, she's so ratchet, or she's so this, and I'm like, now that we're older, we look at, we, we think back on those statements and we're like, okay, what were we really trying to say here? Okay. And I think that's um, 
something that we have to take accountability for mm-hmm. is like what stereotypes are we placing on um us as a community just based on the different shades that we are mm-hmm. just because you know you see someone who's darker skin doesn't make them ratchet or the lighter skin friend is not always the bougie one but in media that's kind of the way they always portray us um martin and Regina, um shows just over the years have always portrayed like the darker skin friend is the ratchet mm-hmm. and then the lighter skin friend is always the bougie more affluent and educated friend so mm-hmm. it's i think that's type of the the type of thing that i've done that i try to check myself on now mm-hmm. okay the kid what are you about to say um i i was gonna i agree with Julie. i don't um have any like ill feelings towards light skin or anything like that but i remember like growing up just looking at it like having a hard time because i wasn't light skin and then the women who were light skinned um they would feel i won't i won't say they would feel like they were superior but in their actions mm-hmm. they would feel like okay well i'm better than her yeah. you know i don't know if um and i don't mean to um single out just us to uh, other the other dark skinned women on here, but Pebbles and Jalisha. I don't know if you guys have heard um, all the time. It makes me sick when they say you're so pretty to be black. Or dark skin girl. Or yeah. <laughs> dark skin girl, and it's very offensive. It wasn't until I got maybe a couple years ago where I actually saw what that meant. Like I used to say, thank you to be so happy about yes. it, not understanding that they were being they were being funny. Like that's the way their mind was programmed, and it all goes back for me. In every day, mainly African American women, like the dark skinned women, they had to be out in the field. Mm-hmm. And then the light skinned women, they were treated more special. They could be in the house mm-hmm. or they could, you know, uh, be amongst and do things that the dark skinned women couldn't. And so um, I've experienced that even with guys. Um, I didn't want to date anyone dark skinned. You know why? I'm just being quite honest with mm-hmm. you guys. I was afraid to have a dark skinned baby. Like my son in here, he's eight. He's really, really light skinned. And when I had him, that's because his father is really, really light skinned. And when I had him, um, people would say, oh my gosh, how do you have a white baby? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like I've experienced it my whole life. Wow. And I remember just dating my son's father, who is very, very light skinned. He was. He told me, he was like, you're the only dark skinned girl I've ever dated in my life. I'm used to white girls or light skinned girls. And in in a way, he treated me as such mm-hmm. throughout the relationship, you know. And I remember having to recover from all of the treatment that I felt of not feeling good enough for him or not feeling pretty enough because I wasn't a lighter skin version. But yeah, um, just being honest, like it's just been uh, putting us against each other. And I think when a person is light skinned, they do feel like I'm not saying all because I've met some. I'm cool with all shades but some of the women feel like okay i'm light-skinned i can do whatever or i can get whatever from a guy because i'm Mm light-skinned and that's that mindset Mm. i got you um so i have uh another question and i think this kind of touches on um what we're still talking about do you feel that colorism has an impact on forming uh, relationships? Definitely. Um, so from my experience, um, I am not as close to certain sides of my family. So basically I'm closer to certain sides of my family mm. and I feel like And it's rooted in colorism, but I feel like it was done out of protection Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. and, you know, my siblings. Mm -hmm. Um, And growing up, and I mean, I guess I I understand it in a sense, but if I don't know what I'm being shielded from, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, why why don't we do this, these things with this side of the family? Mm -hmm. Why do we always go to the other side of the family for like holidays and stuff like that. And once I got older and my parents, um, and my grandparents like sat down and like talked to me about it. Mm-hmm. It's just like, wow, like that's in my family mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. these are people that 
we have the same blood running through us mm-hmm. that my parents or my grandparents felt like, okay, we want to protect y'all. So you're not going to be over there as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it, it definitely, as far as family, it definitely can trickle down um, from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, hopefully for me, I don't have kids, so I can't I can't judge anybody else's parenting. But I know I would rather like eradicate that in my family rather than feeling like I can't have my kids around certain family members because they're going to be um, discriminated upon or treated differently because they're darker. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as like dating, mm-hmm. I mainly date darker skin guys mm-hmm. and it's not that I'm not attracted to lighter skin guys I just feel like um, once I got the age two date I don't that's not lighter skin guys they weren't coming to me to talk to me um, and I mean that's okay I feel like date who you want to date mm-hmm. um but darker skin guys just always was attracted to me. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I was just attracted to what was attracted to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and that can also be rooted in going back to what you were saying as far as like um, being prejudiced. I do sometimes have, I guess, thoughts in my mind that dating a dark skin guy, dating a light skin guy, can be a little different. Mm-hmm. And have y'all ever heard of someone saying, you acting light-skinned. Mm-hmm. Why you acting light-skinned? Or telling a dark-skinned person, you acting light-skinned. That's rooted in colorism. Oh, you acting soft. Because light-skinned guys are viewed, compared to darker-skinned guys, they're viewed as, he a pretty boy, mm-hmm. he's soft. And I really do feel like that's kind of the reason why I tend to gravitate towards dark skinned guys um in dating because even in the my interactions with certain people that's just what I get Mm -hmm. I don't know but I mean honestly that is partly like perpetuating a stereotype of all light skinned guys are just soft whereas darker skinned guys they're not you know so anybody else gonna jump in and say to Anthony um just going back to like with my son and the what Pebbles was saying about the pretty boy as far as with light-skinned men I feel like um black women like raise their children based on color too because um even with my son um his father will tell me oh my gosh you got him in the sun again playing football like you know he doesn't want him to get dark-skinned Mm. And it like really is, it's, it's, it's amazing to me because he looks at it like our son should still be light skinned because he's light skinned. Mm. And of course he's gotten a little bit darker because of course me, mm. but you know, even with women raising their, their light skinned sons to not play so rough because they're going to get hurt. They're going to mm. get a scratch. They're going to be bruised easily. Um, and then with dark skinned men, it's like, if they go through something or get hit, it's like, I've noticed with women with dark skinned boys, it's like, you're tough. Get over it. Dust yourself off and, you know, go back out and play. That's nothing. So it's like, that's why dark skinned men are raised like that because regardless how we want to look at it, the colorism most of the time starts in the household. And even when I was a young girl, um, my um, aunt and my cousin, they told me for a while that I was, um, that I was adopted and I would cry every time I went to my grandma's house because my dad has 28 children. Um, and out of all 28 children, there are only two of us who are dark skin. Majority of the boys are light skin with pretty eyes. And I happen to be a dark skin offspring. So they could not understand like that. That's your dad and you're dark skin. So they would tell me every time I would come to the house that I was adopted and, you know, make me cry. And of course I'm not adopted, but that's their picking at me. And they were adults. And I was seven. And I still remember this blatantly to this day that growing up I had I felt like I didn't fit in because I was dark skinned. And then also I seen amongst the, the dark skinned boys and the light skinned boys just the treatment, different treatments in the family. 
But even just what you said right there, like, I noticed that, like, it's, and I see a lot of people that say this, whenever Black people have lighter color eyes, we refer to that as pretty eyes. Mm-hmm. As if, like, dark brown eyes are not beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's something that's so, like, ingrained. I had a conversation with my dad about this because lighter eyes tend to, like, sometimes skip a generation on my dad's side. So my great-grandmother had hazel eyes. And then my grandmother, like, it, it was weird on our side. I clearly my eyes are dark brown but it's so weird because we say that like oh yeah I just have brown eyes and if I see a black person with hazel eyes or green eyes it's like oh those are pretty eyes and it's like as if like brown eyes are not beautiful and it's weird because white people say oh yeah she has pretty eyes but that's just because they have pretty eyes has nothing necessarily like you can have brown eyes and be beautiful you can have blue eyes and be beautiful but it's so weird because comments like that are so like embedded in our culture that we say them and don't necessarily like even realize like because I I don't say it all the time I have a kid in my class at school and she's like my complexion but her eyes are green I'm like oh she she has pretty eyes and I had to think myself I was like Lusher you have pretty eyes your Mm -hmm. eyes your eyes are brown and it's like it's so weird because in our culture we think the brighter the better like, I'm looking at her right now, she has such pretty eyes. But, like, that's just exactly, like, how we think, and that's how it is in our culture. To wear contacts just so I can have pretty, quote-unquote, pretty eyes. Me and too. now I love my eyes. Now people tell me all the time I have pretty eyes, and I'm like, really? Like, I, I, I'm looking at the color. Mm-hmm. So brought that to my thinking. Thank you. Yes. So much of this is about unlearning white standards. Like all of us grew up in South Carolina. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think in elementary school, middle school, high school, in terms of uh, guys talking about girls, the, the pretty girl was always light skinned in, mm-hmm. in Spartanburg District 7, at least where we where we went uh, to school. And so yeah. when I got to college and I went to an HBCU, I began to unlearn all these stereotypes about beauty and about standards. And uh, to Lustra's point about light eyes being beautiful, it was like, I mean, what about that makes it inherently more beautiful? What about curly hair makes it more beautiful? The light skin makes it more beautiful. And I began to see like a full spectrum of colors and, and hair textures and shades. And it began to make me realize how much of what we were taught was a lie. It was just a lie about ourselves uh, because black people are, are so beautiful and all of our multiplicities forms, the ways that we pop up in the world, we show up in the world, we're an amazing people. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's so much diversity in the way that we look. And, and it really uh, makes you wonder why we're being fed these stereotypes. Uh, but we have to actively work to make sure our children don't believe them. that when they're born. My mother did a good job about this because my brothers and I are different shades. I have a really dark skinned brother. I'm brown skinned. Um, and then she's really light. And so she wanted us to understand that she loved us equally. Mm-hmm. And so she was intentional about that. And so in terms of, of, of me choosing uh, partners, like looking at women, I've always actively fought against the tendency, especially that a lot of my my friends have, um, to prioritize the light-skinned women for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so that's, a, that's some work that we have to do as a community mm-hmm. to ensure that we we make sure that, that the, the kinky hair is just as beautiful as the curly hair and the brown eyes are just as beautiful as the hazel ones. Mm-hmm. Wow. I remember when I was competing in pageants, I mean, like, it was the colorism was just like blatant like wow and we can we can talk about like how like i competed in the scholarship pageant and yeah like they want you to have a brain but in the day they want you to be pretty Mm -hmm. and it was so weird because i remember they told i mean i literally a former miss south carolina told me that they were like yeah you would be a great miss south carolina but you need to consider rhinoplasty rhinoplasty is basically a whole reconstruction of your nose because I have a bigger nose and I didn't know what that meant I was just like "Mm, okay and then she's like and maybe like consider you know just some like primitive Botox and like basically tell me to change all these things about my face but one thing she was like you actually have really nice lips like don't change your lips at all and I was like I don't know like am I supposed to say thank you is like is that a compliment and I remember, like, I didn't tell my mom about it because if any of you know my mom, my mom does not play any games. And she would have gone up in there and, like, she would have had some choice words. I remember I didn't say anything. And I remember, like, sobbing in my bathroom because I've never been told that my nose was big. It was just my nose. I never really, I just didn't pay attention to it at all. 
And then from then on, I started noticing a lot of other people's noses. And mm. so like the woman, I remember she said, like, if you go to Miss America, just slimmer noses look better on television. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh. And like Chavis said, like, we have to unlearn these very like Eurocentric beauty standards. And like, I'm sitting here saying that with like a sewing in my hair, but I wear a sewing now because I don't feel like doing my hair. <laughs> I, I wear hair weeds to protect my hair have nothing to do with the fact that I'm not proud of the hair that grows out of my head is mm-hmm. the fact that I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But unlearning these like European beauty standards is probably one of the hardest things that I've had to do because I, from then on, looked at my nose as if it was an issue. And it's like, this is literally, I have the same nose as my mom, who has the same nose as her dad, who has the same nose as his mom. Like, mm-hmm. that's just that's just how my face is made up. And that's perfectly fine. And there's nothing wrong with having a big nose. There's nothing wrong with having darker skin. But competing in pageants, you see that Eurocentric beauty standards are so much more prioritized. And it's so disappointing because, like, I look at women like our current Miss Universe, who is literally from South Africa, who literally is dark skin with a temp fade. And she is absolutely beautiful. And I'm like, okay, like, great. She's a she, she's beautiful, but this should be normal. Like, we should be crowning more women just like her because mm-hmm. she is beautiful. She is smart. And it's just disappointing because a lot of people call her ugly. And if you Google her and look her up, you will literally, like, your jaw will drop to the floor. She's stunning. But yeah, just when competing in pageants, like it was like just blatant. Like they would straight up tell you, like you need to change your hair. You need to, you basically need to make yourself less black to be more appealing to other people. Oh and that's what they were trying to say without saying it. Right. Mm. I, I I think uh, this all this raises an important point about representation. Like Lusha raising the point about Miss Universe. That's so key. And when we were growing up, all of us on this call, we saw so many things in media. They gave us a particular standard. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really, really key that we push against that as much as we can, mm-hmm. that we lift up people like Lupita Nyong'o and we lift up characters, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in media who are, who are darker skinned and darker complected mm-hmm. um, and allow our children. I don't have children, but when I do, hopefully allow them to see that. If you go back to 1955, when they argued Brown v. Board of Education, the reason mm-hmm. why schools are integrated, mm-hmm. they did a, a doll study. In South Carolina, where we're from, oh yeah, Dr. Oh. Kenneth Clark did a doll study, uh-huh. and he he allowed black children to point to the more desirable doll, uh-huh. and he asked some questions like, which is the smarter doll, which is the most beautiful doll, which is uh, which doll doesn't get in trouble, and to a person, all of these children pointed to the white doll instead yeah. of the black doll, and you're talking about kids, you know, five year olds, and that still exists with us today, and we got to unlearn it, we got to do that work. Um, to make sure that another generation doesn't believe that white is, is in some way right. I look at like characters, whether they're, you know, like cartoon characters or whatever. And I think to myself, I wish that there were more stories about that, like reference, like black people, especially black women, where like their experience as a black woman wasn't necessarily their story. Like you look at Disney princesses, the one Disney princess Princess Tiana. First of all, she was a frog for like 50% of the movie, which sucked. But it was about her being black in New Orleans, which is great. But you have like a slew of white princesses from Snow White mm-hmm. to Alice in Wonderland to Cinderella to Sleeping Beauty, where there's like an array of different stories. And I remember when um, Hallie from Chloe and Hallie was announced that she was going to be like a live action Ariel. And so yes. many people were upset. And I'm mm-hmm. like, first of all, Ariel's a fish. She can be whatever color she wants to be. But I was so excited because I'm like, it's going to be a Disney princess where she just happens to be black and she's going to have red dreads. Like, I can't wait for my 10-year-old niece who geeks, or my 9-year-old niece who geeks out over Disney princess to watch this mythical creature who just happens to have the same color color skin as her. And I think it's so wonderful because Doc McStuffins is literally just a little girl who is a doctor. It has ne- not necessarily anything to do with her plight as a black woman. It's just a little girl who's a doctor. And not only does it teach little black girls that they can be something like Doc McStuffins because they're the same color as her, but it also teaches kids who are not black that black people can also be doctors too. And I think that's so important, not just for black kids, but for all kids to see that 
Black people can do some amazing things despite what the media says about us and despite everything else. I was literally talking to a friend of mine the other day and she said something. She was like, you think about it, Black people are just so, like one word that I would describe Black people as is resilience. We bounce back with everything and, and come back full force. And I think it's so important, like you said, to teach kids that at such an early age because the sooner they learn it, the sooner they'll adapt to it and the sooner they'll act on it. So it's super important to make sure they know these things at such an early age. Right. So um, I'm going to flip this uh, perspective on you. So do you think um, light-skinned people experience colorism on the same level as dark-skinned people from your perspective? No. Not at all. It's like asking, saying, do Caucasians experience in a way for me? Because, like I said, the light skin uh, color to African American people is the superior color. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe that they experience it in the way that we do. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the experience comes in like personally, because you see the dreads today. um, I would have never wore these two years ago. I thought this made me look too African-American, like too black. You know, um, I always associate weaves, hair. Since I was probably 11 or 12, I wore weaves so that I could have that straighter hair. And um, I would say that was something with inside of me. It had nothing to do with light-skinned people. But because of my experiences I shared on this podcast is why I had a diff- such a difficult challenge with inside myself. And I, I don't I don't think it's same level that's my answer mm-hmm. it's just not i would agree yeah i would agree you would agree i mean i think light-skinned people definitely have a privilege that dark-skinned people don't um but i i wouldn't i wouldn't want to um i guess discredit or invalidate their feelings about also experiencing colorism because I have heard like skin people say like they're viewed as like they're not black enough because they're mm-hmm. light skin mm-hmm. whereas like the darker you are the blacker you are mm-hmm. um but that's really the only thing that I can think of whereas mm-hmm. being dark skin there's like a plethora of things that we go through and we experience mm-hmm. um so, yeah, I think they definitely do. I just don't think it's to, like, the degree of, you know, dark-skinned people. Um, do you think that light-skinned people, how can I word this? Is there a negative connotation on light-skinned people compared to dark-skinned people? For example, it seems that from what I'm gathering light-skinned people, like you said, have a privilege in in your views, in a sense. And it seems that they don't have that same struggle as a dark-skinned person. But on the flip side, do you think that that's fair to actually say, coming from their perspective? Because they could actually say that, well... Why why is it that they feel that way towards me? Mm-hmm. The assumption of a light-skinned person is that they don't have the same struggle, is that they're privileged, but and then they're also not black. You see what I'm saying? So what do you think? Yeah, I think backing off of what yeah. I mean I think piggybacking off of what Pebble said earlier, we never wanna, you know invalidate someone else's experience because their experience is their experience. But at the same time, I think it would be kind of, I think it's obvious to all of us that, and we can't ignore the fact that like lighter skinned people or like white passing people or biracial people have spent a privilege over people who are brown skin and dark skin, whether it's in beauty industry, whether it's in, whether it's in the media or wherever. But I mean, I was just thinking back on like television shows, like I was brought up earlier, like back in the 
90s, the first thing that popped in my head was Hillary Banks. She was a light-skinned, mm-hmm. snooty, ripped mm-hmm. black girl. I loved Hillary, to be perfectly honest. I thought she was awesome because she just lived her best life and wanted to always go shopping, which I love. But then I also thought of people like Whitley Gilbert from A Different World. Like, people looked at her as if she was, like, snooty, which, okay, that in short, she was. But, like, I also think of people like Denise Huxtable, who was this, like, super cool, super chill person. But there are all these different representations of light-skinned Black women. And it seemed like back then, there was only one representation of darker-skinned Black women, which is kind of the loud best friend, which Mm -hmm. Black women are so much more than that. So I personally, when I see a light-skinned person as a 28-year-old woman, I don't look like, oh my gosh, she must be like stuck up or whatever. But like, I feel like it would be kind of silly to ignore the fact that lighter-skinned people or biracial people or white-passing people don't have this privilege because they do. And I understand like biracial people, a lot of people, they were picked on because they were called, you know, things like half breed because mm. they were half white or half black or mm. felt like they weren't black enough because they were half white. And at the end of the day, I always try to respect people because some people don't identify as black. They identify as mixed. So you want to respect that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it, you know, 100 with you. Mm. If I'm a black or your daddy black, you black. That's just me. <laughs> but, <laughs> I try to respect that. But like at the end of the day, you mixed, you black in my eyes because I feel like that's how the world sees you. Yeah, I think um, systems of oppression and colorism is a system of oppression are upheld not only by those who create them, but by those who benefit from them. And so to the extent that people of privilege, whether it be that you're light skinned or that you benefit from lighter skin privilege, whatever it may be, you do have an obligation to speak up against it. Um, Just as white people in society, when black people are mourning and going through what we've experienced this week with Breonna Taylor, have an obligation because they experience white privilege to speak up on behalf of black people. And, and Lusha raised an amazing point that wherever you are in society, if you have some form of privilege, us as, as people with degrees have academic privilege, mm-hmm. we have to speak up for people who don't have college educations. We have to speak up for people. Many of us are probably Christian. We have to speak up for people who might be Muslim or Sikh or whatever in this society who don't get as many privileges. And uh, I think that's an important point to remember. But as it relates to colorism, we got to dispel it and we got to unlearn it within ourselves. Mm-hmm. Great. Mm-hmm. Um. So, do you guys feel colorism will ever end? I think that we have, like, even with racism, I, you know, but colorism particularly, I don't think that we'll see the end, at least while we're alive, Mm -hmm. um, until there's some major changes, like, you know, all of us have spoke about on this platform. It starts with us, but it's just six of us right now. And we have to reach those who have children because mm-hmm. those children are learning those behaviors from their parents. And, you know, I have a, a light-skinned child and a child that looks like me. My daughter looks just like me. She's dark-skinned. So I, of course, have to, it starts in my household with teaching them. And then also, of course, amongst our family and our peers. But just because um, I'm a believer, you know, sin is prevalent in the enemy, the way he works with spiritual warfare and, you know, being able to separate and divide. I just don't see that happening because there's not enough communication. There's not enough communication about this topic per se um, to raise the awareness, because even though when you asked me to come on here, it's like, yeah, but I didn't even think it was this in debt. Like, Tonight has been such an eye opener for me as an African-American because I didn't even realize how far this has gone on or I thought it was just me who experienced it. And it's not. Yeah, I don't And I know this might be bad, but I'm more of like a realist. Um, Do I feel like it's ever going to go away? No, because people benefit from it. Mm -hmm. And so because there's privilege in your skin. On one side, why would you want to get rid of that mm. if you're on that side? Mm. If you're on the side that this my my skin can be a barrier for me at times, then yes, like you want things to change. You want life to be better. But there are some people in this world that if it doesn't affect them, they don't really care. Mm. Right. So, 
That's unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I know as far as in my household, how I raise my children is like whether you are dark skin, whether you are light skin, you are not better than the other person just because mm-hmm. of your skin. Mm-hmm. So, but not everybody raises their children like that. And as I think your first question, it was, um, what was it? It was, uh, have you ever felt ashamed of your skin color? Yeah, yeah. Your first, going back to your first question, in my household, like, you are going to be proud of the skin that you are in. I don't want to be, I don't, I would just take, because as a child, it took me a minute to get to the point where I'm at. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't always like the skin that I'm in. And unfortunately, like, my mom, my mom is in her 50s and she still struggles with it. Mm. Like, and I have to like tell her, like, we'll take a picture. And she's just like, oh, I'm just so dark. And I'm like, no, mom, like, and, okay, you're you're dark. What's what's wrong with that? Mm-hmm. I can only I can only really um be a be a better me and control, you know, what I give out into the world. And so of course, like I wanna, you know, fill my children with the idea that you're beautiful regardless of your skin color, right? But not every household is ran like that. There are, there are, unfortunately, there are households that they don't want no dark children in their family. Mm-hmm. And I don't, unfortunately, I don't think that's ever going to change. Like you have to, I don't, I don't know how you get into the mind of a person and change their perspective. Mm-hmm. Like they have to want to see something as beautiful. I don't know how you can fix that. Right. I'm a person who's really grounded in hope and I try to maintain that as much as I can uh, because society tries to take it from you. And so I try not to think about what will be or the world as it will be, but the world as it should be. Mm -hmm. So if I think about it as it will be, colorism will always be here. But if I think about it as it should be, colorism should be going away in the years to come. And as I think about um, younger generations and as they're looking at these things, they, they grow up and they see King T'Challa, you mm-hmm. know, they, they see a, a darker skinned person. Mm-hmm. When they see politicians who are African-American and hopefully darker African-Americans will become uh, leaders in, in politics in the near future. Mm-hmm. And when they see TV characters like the ones that we discuss here, um, hopefully the world changes just a little bit. Colorism will always be with us. But we have to work towards a world where it doesn't have an effect on the lives of black babies as they're born. Mm-hmm. So that's the hope that one day a black baby will look at themselves, a dark skinned baby will look at themselves in the mirror and without prompting from their parents will say, I'm beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. I definitely agree. Um, I don't think it'll ever go away, but um, it's just one of those things that we um, as humans have to realize that we're always going to try to um, place ourselves in these different categories that make one self seem better than the other. But I think we really have to um, be more accountable to one another and really show more respect for one another. And once we start doing that, we'll start to see um, that there's less of this within our own community. Mm-hmm. I know growing up, um, my stepfather, oh my gosh, that man, he would, um, I would say stuff like, oh, I have nice hair because I'm, I have a Native American um, great-grandmother. And he'd be like, no, you have nice hair because you're black. Or um, when people would say stuff to my sister, he'd be like, no, you're beautiful because you're black. He never allowed for us to add things to our blackness that would um, make us make us seem better. He always attributed our characteristics to our blackness and allowed for and forced us to see ourselves through those eyes. So until we, until we start, you know, doing that in our homes and then taking accountability outside of our homes, do I think it will, like, go away? No, but it can be better. Okay. Um, so going to wrap this up. And my final question is um, what advice or words of wisdom would you give to someone that has um, experienced what you guys have gone through with the uh, colorism. 
Well, um, I would give them the advice to love themselves. It first starts with yourself. Um, and now that I'm aware of some of the things that I that affected me, I think once the person is aware that this may be affecting them, then they can go on a journey of self-love and also doing research. I think the, the research has helped me a lot, um, learning who I am. Because to be honest with you, I didn't know who I was. I'm learning. I'm still learning each day who I am. But it wasn't until years ago when I actually started identifying who I am, the power that inside me, and just know that, like, regardless of our skin tone, none of that matters to God. So none of this will even matter when we're gone. All this is meaningless in life. But this is what the enemy uses to divide us and, and you know, eventually try to conquer us as humans. Mm-hmm. So just love yourself and know that you're beautiful no matter what. And just go on that journey of finding out who you are and then your skin tone won't even matter. I, I agree with that. I think self-love is the best love because it's unconditional. You know, if you find a way to love yourself unconditionally, no one can take that away from you. And I think that um, once you start that journey of, of discovery, and you love yourself truly, you'll look at your black skin and be able to affirm it irrespective of, of what comes with it, how wide your nose is, how big your lips are, the curl of your skin. And Ozzie Davis, who was an actor in the, in the, the 1900s all throughout, famous actor, had this quote that I loved. He said, I find in being black a thing of beauty, a joy, a strength, a secret cup of gladness. And that's what it is. I mean, it's a privilege to be black. And I think that's what we got to start believing. And that'll change the way we see ourselves. Yeah. I think um, I'll just advise everybody to be, to see um, whether you're lighter, darker, in the middle somewhere. We're all brothers and sisters. Um, I work really hard to make sure that if for some reason, maybe I'm viewing someone in a negative light or um, maybe placing a certain stereotype on them, I try to go out of my way to get to know that person so I can see where that's coming from within me. So I'm really big on um, just respect and accountability for one another and just making sure that, as, like y'all said, in, when it's all said and done that we show love to one another, I think sometimes we've gotten so far away from community love and what that is to be um, one just because of the way the world is today. Mm-hmm. But if we can kind of get back to that, I think we can um, work to overcome a lot of damage that has been done by us. Don't ever alter your blackness for to make a white person feel more comfortable because black people are here, black people are present and our experience is just as valid and just as important as everyone else's. So don't alter who you are just to make someone else feel uncomfortable. There is no, and I know that it is weird, but there is no right or wrong way to be black because black people are not a monolith. We're all different. And I think it's just super important to remember that embrace your blackness, embrace who you are, embrace your wide nose, like Chavis said, embrace your lips, embrace your skin color, em- embrace your hair texture, embrace every part of about your embrace every part about your blackness because if you physically cannot love who you are and who God created to be, it is physically impossible for you to accept love from any other person. So, just going to reiterate what everybody else was saying and um, my advice. I guess what I wish someone would have told me um, when I was younger, feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't like my skin. Um, I wish someone would have told me, you know, God didn't make a mistake when he made you. Mm-hmm. Like, he made yeah. you exactly how he wanted you to be. And how someone sees you is not your problem. Mm-hmm. I love it. Right. love it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for um, coming on. I really appreciate you guys for being on this particular episode. I think this episode is it's really powerful, really eye-opening. Um, and I hope all of you guys out there really enjoyed it. And I hope you guys learned um, something from um, all, of, all of my panel um, from, from, part, uh, from the first panel to this one. So 
hope you guys take some knowledge from this. And I hope, like everyone said, is that we can um, kind of just take, um, put a plan or put steps in motion to um, do away with, with colorism and start accepting each other, each other as equals instead of just uh, judging one another, you know. But um, again, thank you guys. And this is a wonderful episode. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. I will Thanks, see everyone. No problem. I will see you guys on my season two. And I will talk to y'all later. Bye, my podcast. of God I was made in his likeness I was made in the image of beauty I was made in its likeness I was made in the image of my father I was made in his likeness was made in the image of a king, royalty and likeness. I was made in the image of brown skin, bathed in its cocoa likeness. I was made in the image of strength, that is my likeness. I was made